everybody. Welcome to Cult Classics AZ and Cult Following's panel on Slasher Films, Why We Cheer for the Bad Guy, here live at Phoenix Comic Con 2016. I'm one of the, your usual three hosts here, Victor Marino, along with Adam Rakowski. <laughs> Meow. And Kirby Nelson. <laughs> along with special guest host, Ruby Tate. Hey, guys. What up? All right, if you guys don't know, we do a horror genre movie podcast you can find on iTunes. Just look for Cult Following. We're also online at cultfollowing.co that's co without the m almost.com but not quite <laughs> all right so who here loves slasher movies who's your favorite slasher hero jason freddy give us we've got we got We got a lot of contention among the audience, you guys. There's a lot, there's a lot of favorite slasher heroes. Quiet, quiet. Shh. So we're going to talk about what, uh, some of our favorite slasher heroes and why we actually really love slasher movies and hate those annoying teenagers who tend to survive. <laughs> Am I right? Right. What do you guys think? Kirby? Adam? What? I'm not a huge fan of slasher movies. Oh, we're going to have to convert Adam. Yet he loves Pinhead. Who got, who do here thinks Hellraiser's a slasher movie? Hello. Yeah, we, we've got some love for that, for that argument. Literal, because the hooks fly out of walls and slash people, but also figurative and people. And he's trying to hunt down Kirsty, right? But uh, I don't know, Kirby, why don't you tell us a little bit of slasher movies and where they came from because we know Kirby's our, our, our designated slasher expert along with loving movies where kids die that's that's very true um, I mean you can ask anyone that I mean slasher history there's a, I first and foremost would say if you're interested in the topic academically or really just want to learn more uh, there's an excellent documentary film called going to pieces the rise and fall of the slasher film there's also, it's, I think, hard to find now, might be available digitally, is the companion book for that, going, the going to pieces as well. I think the author is Adam Rockwell. Amazing book. But they do, um, you know, kind of traces the history. I mean, you can say Grand Guignol. You can say, um, you know, early films that really um, kind of tested the boundaries, both in the Universal era, even into um, Hammer Horror, some of the stuff that was in the 50s. But... For most people that I've ever talked to, especially with slasher tropes like the the point of view, um, the stalking, you know, that the maniacal kind of killer, but with a backstory, I think most people acknowledge is the um, British film Peeping Tom, and that's what I would also say. Um, the other one is an Italian horror film, uh, most notably known as um, Bay of Blood. And really, it established the basic outline. And I mean, most of you know that, I mean, you're all fans, that it's a pretty much paint-by-numbers system, especially in the 80s. But in the original time, they were trying to do um, a little bit more oriented towards, um, you know, I don't know, maybe kind of cross blurring the line into like a mystery, um, Italian giallo films. Yeah, it's sort of a hybrid. Because if you really look at horror history, 
Slashers are the inverse of what universal monsters are. Like if you look at uh, James Whale's Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein is actually the final girl. Everyone's trying to hunt down Frankenstein versus once you start getting into like movies like, um, you know, Black Christmas and the early slashers, you realize it's the inverse where the monster itself is the one that's hunting down all the, you know, humans, or as I like to call them, fodder. <laughs> yeah, and the universal films, I mean, you, all the classics generally are considered sympathetic characters, whereas they're really, for most slashers, was not sympathetic, but it did create the, you know, this is who we cheer for. I mean, I don't think a lot of um, studio executives and audience uh, were not prepared for audience test screens where people were cheering for the victims to be killed. I mean, full on, like people, you know, especially in the grind houses in the, uh, on 42nd Street, um, which is really where a lot of cult exploitation film came from and really slashers had their rise, um, was in that time period in New York. You know, it's, they weren't ready for that kind of like a response, but then when they realized, of course, you could do this, I mean, a big part of the proliferation of slasher films was because of how cheaply they could be made, and yeah. that was super important for the growth of, of them and of horror in general. Yeah, especially when you look at like the early proto-slashers, like The Town That Dreaded Sundown or Black Christmas, they're not really expensive movies. Uh, in fact, if you look even at Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, that's for the longest time that was like the highest grossing independent horror film in history just because it was a stunt man in a mask and a handful of girls in a couple of houses they rented. You really think about it, it's like, wow, that seems so basic. Yet it tells you how much score and atmosphere contribute. Yeah. It's famously known that when Halloween was originally screened, it was screened without music and uh, most of the studio and the backers were like, what is this? This isn't scary, this isn't anything. And then when Carpenter put in his score, everything changed. And that was an important hallmark of Italian and a lot of European horror that did get, I'm not that American horror didn't have that history, but in slashers, it became an extremely important hallmark because that was the cue. The cue for the killer, the cue for the victim, whatever you knew was gonna happen, I mean, Harry Manfredini's score for Friday the 13th, any famous ones, everyone knows the theme. Everyone knows um, the stinger, yeah. <laughs> that was the Atari version of that, I'm pretty sure. But. Well, it's a well-known fact. I had a chip tune implanted in my jaw so too. I could do that for this panel. But uh, you know, speak, when you speak about most of these uh, formula, like the slasher franchises, it's because at some point they do, they do develop into a formula with very delineated steps. There's usually our killer slash hero um, who had some kind of tragedy befall him in their youth that it's not really ever explained unless we get to around part four or five. <laughs> and there is a handful of teenagers who are some somehow tied into his flimsy backstory, one of whom is more likely than not a virginal girl. You don't have sex in these movies. And if you do, you might as well die. Drugs are apparently the same thing in the same ballpark. Jason Voorhees is straight edge, just letting you know. <laughs> exactly. And Freddy is against all kinds of uppers. These are heroes. No. <laughs> and for the most part, 
you're going to pick through all the fodder except for the final girl. And at that point, there'll be some magical elixir that will enable our hero to return in a sequel. You know, a magical death, which is usually stupid. But you have to do it to keep the franchise going. And these are magical steps of building a slasher movie. So I think that right now we should probably ask Adam, since we've like delineated the basics, what, what don't you like about slashers in general? Is it just that they're predictable or just the threadbare, you know, protagonist? I don't, they just never appealed to me in some way. Just not. I don't know. Well, when I would go to the video store, that's not really the first thing that I would seek out. Maybe I wanted something maybe that wasn't so straightforward and predictable. I mean, when you pick up like Driller Killer, you know what it's gonna be. <laughs> you know, I, maybe I wanted a little more kind of fantastical nature to uh, my killings, as opposed to saying, you know, it's gonna be, you know, a final girl kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good point there. And then let's talk to her. I mean, just because I, I came from like, I mean, uh, my mom read a lot of Stephen King when I was little, so that's kind of what was in our library. I said, well, she's reading Stephen King, I'm gonna read Clyde Barker. So I was more of kind of a Clyde Barker fan, and he, he always played around with more fantasy elements, whereas I don't think Slasher really has much fantasy to that. We can, we can talk about that in a minute. And let's talk to our other guest host, Ruby. What, what's your stance on Slashers, yay and nay? Yay, most, some of them are formulaic, but I really enjoy Freddy. Um, he was my favorite, I used to have nightmares, and then somehow we became friends at some point. I don't know what, where the transition happened, but I watched him over and over again, to scary, to loving, so um, also, but I hear the fantastical element too, so, because I read a lot of Stephen King as a kid, but and he was always brought a lot of magic, I thought, so. Well, and I, yeah. I, out of any of them, I think I enjoyed the Nightmare on Elm Street series more than most. Mm -hmm. Up until maybe maybe the fourth one was kind of when I started. To, I think we're all going to go, yeah. But, Don't know, even Dream, talk Dream about Warriors part five. is always my favorite. I mean, the first one stands alone. You know, first ones of any series always stands alone and has the most strength to it and is always beloved. But odd, you know, discounting that. The you know Dream Warriors is my favorite. That one was so good. Yeah. That one was so I think Dream Warriors holds a special place in most of our hearts because it's probably the only slasher movie where you actually care about the people that uh, the, the, the slasher killer is actually trying to destroy. You know, I, to this day I remember being in like grade school and there's um you know the kid who plays D and D and he's paralyzed, but in the dream world he can do m actual magic. And he thinks he beat Freddy, and then like Freddy just guts him. It's like, sorry, kid, I don't believe in fairy tales. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> Your stance on Freddy Kirby? I'm, I'm a fan. It's it's one of those things with. Um, I mean, I think it kind of like as Ruby was kind of saying, it's the formulaic thing, um, and even um, Adam touched on a little bit. It's not only the predictability, but a big part of what slashers especially tried to do in the late 70s and early 80s, which um, 
was is that you know Carpenter always said the idea for Halloween came from the fact that he felt it touched into the mainstream of not just I mean obviously of America but even the world that most people had been a babysitter or had had a babysitter um, you know a lot of these kinds of things people went to camp summer camp I mean you know that was a common rite of passage so people um, you know almost all more shared experiences that people had so anyone could come with it but that's a big part of Nolly Slasher's um, main impediment but also of a lot of horror films is that you have characters you just do not care about which is why you want to see them dead so it's a plus but then it's also like then you you know once that the thrill is gone then it's it's not nearly there that's why there wasn't a lot of replay value and that's why i think a lot of the slasher films that became bigger were the ones that had i mean that's when you really started seeing um uh creativity I mean, that was always there in a lot of the uh, Giallo films and stuff like that. That's a, um, you know, is a huge integral part. But I think that a lot of films, people were like, well, this is what I think is going to happen. This is how I think they're going to die. And then to be able to change that was a big part of why. And Freddy was one of the biggest ones because you can do anything in a dream. Yeah, I think one of the things along with that that makes uh, the idea of the slasher actually being the hero of the movie is the fact that most of the, uh, you know, final you know, the final girls or the fodder in these movies tend to be inherently unlikable people. Um, for the most part, you like you have the camp counselors uh, in Friday the 13th, but once you find out the backstory, it's like, these are the people who weren't taking care of Jason, so he wants revenge. Or when you look at um, Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, sorry, spoiler on that one, in case you're 36 years too late. Oh. <laughs> Or the Nightmare on Elm Street movies where you find out, um, oh yeah, by the way, these kids, their parents uh, like uh, lynch mobbed Freddy to death because he was found innocent uh, in, in trial for you know, a crime which he may or may not have committed. Has anyone seen Freddy's Nightmares, the original pilot episode with Toby Hooper directing the backstory? If you haven't, it's free on YouTube. They've never done an actual release except in the UK, but check it out. Uh, Toby Hooper directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh, Light Force and tons of other movies. He um, does a really good job. It's actually really serious. The rest of the Freddy's Nightmare series is more fun, low budget, very campy, but the original pilot episode, if you ever want to see a great backstory on that, it's one to check out. Exactly. I, I think that's one of the things too, like the most endearing uh, sort of slashers and uh, slasher heroes as I'm calling them, or we're calling them rather, tend to live on in various media. You know, especially Freddy who's well known for his puns. I mean I couldn't like watch TV in the 1980s without getting away from Freddy. And this was like an R-rated, you know, serial murderer and then I go to Toys R Us and get a pull string doll of him. <laughs> or he'd be trying to sell me Coca-Cola, you know. You, you know. Well isn't yeah. I think it was in Never Sleep Again, the documentary, which is absolutely incredible history on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like uh, four hours long. I think you can watch it on Netflix. Uh, I have the DVD of it where it's eight hours long because the four hours they cut out. Yeah. But um, David, David J. Uh, Scow is like one of the creators of uh, Splatterpunk um, writing. Uh, which was a horror subgenre in the 80s, he uh, always said that he thought the creepiest thing he ever saw was kids wearing Freddy pajamas, and he's like, this is a child molester. Just, <laughs> Allegedly. Just, just saying. Allegedly. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Don't want to convict him here or anything. 
If the glove just, the remake. if the glove doesn't <laughs> fit, yeah, yeah. you must quit. <laughs> <laughs> Visual pun for uh, podcast listeners: I just held up a Freddy glove. You can laugh now. <laughs> But uh, for the most part, even though we loved these movies growing up, um, and once they got to part, you know, multiple parts, uh, you know, down the line of the franchise, they all inevitably end up in terrible condition. Whether it's you know a magical cult that programmed Michael Myers to kill, or you know Freddy's dead, the final nightmare, or once you get to Jason goes to hell when Jason is no longer a zombie but a worm that uh, random people eat. Yeah. yeah, watch that movie and then shake your head. Um, you, get uh, you shake your head on the uh, man-on-man erotic shaving scene. Yes. That That is yeah. definitely... It, yes. It, it, yeah. not, I guess a lot of you haven't seen Jason Goes to Hell, but yeah, that is the, the best man-on-man erotic shaving scene. I've seen a few. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. And then eventually we get to the 1990s where we all get metatextual in 1996 with Scream, the movie that explains what, why slasher movies are terrible and predictable while also at the same time being a terrible and predictable slasher. How is that possible? It's like Inception, but horror. Oh, uh, it is a slasher by Wes Craven. It's kind of it was Wishmaster. Uh, an audience member just mentioned, uh, st- starring Andrew Divoff, a man who must have six testicles to have a voice that deep, <laughs> is about an evil jinn who basically, when people make wishes, he kind of twists them. And the most famous part is where he tells a lawyer to fuck himself, and, <laughs> and basically his anus dislocates itself to where his penis is. R-rated warning for his podcast listeners, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but, but that was also kind of the era, too. I mean, I think we were going to jump spoiler. into the 90s. But, I mean, you pretty much, I mean, I think that that was the logical, you know, end of the road for it was is that I mean that's Leprechaun um, Four I, in the I, hood I, yeah in the hood <laughs> back to the hood in space he was the first one to go into space well just remember uh, Leprechaun in the hood is one of the few sequels to actually get sequels so it's like meta, meta sequels that's true <laughs> it's like no no we want to keep the Leprechaun movies going but I like this hood thing let's keep them both going at the same time I just know I, I, that I a have, few months ago I, I was going through my uh, uh, video on demand and I saw a remake of Leprechaun starring Hornswoggle from World Wrestling Entertainment. So just find a popular midget. That's the way to keep that slasher series going. That's very, very true. <laughs> but the original place where I was going with that is all these series eventually get to their point where they just kind of start rehashing, become an elaborate mythology that you can't break away from so you either have to reboot or become a TV show which is where uh, Scream is gone. Oh, I sense not a lot of love for this Scream MTV TV show. Uh oh. Right? I like the original Ghostface mask but let's go down the line starting with you Kirby and tell us what some of your favorite slasher films are and why. Defend yourself. Um, for me, it's it's really I mean, a pretty long list. A lot of the ones that I enjoy most are the ones that are 
probably a little less well known. And it's, I mean, obviously I love all the classics. I mean, they're all in generally good, obviously without selected entries in the franchise. But um, for me, it's really, um, certain ones I really just love the, um, it's like when you say like cheering for the killer, some of them for me is just the look or just the attitude, the, the presence, the atmosphere. Um, even if the film isn't the best or the script isn't, like I would say definitely uh, a couple of my favorites include um, Madman uh, from 1982. It's just an excellent uh, slasher. Um, just came out on Blu-ray, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, just came on Blu-ray. Vinegar Syndrome just re-released it. Um, excellent. has a great documentary. Um, definitely well worth checking out. Um, I'm a huge fan of The Prowler, which was another great uh, one. A lot of people, some of, I would say that and... and um, uh, Maniac or Savini's best non-big budget work. Um, another, of course, great one for him is The Burning. Uh, Cropsey is one of my all-time favorites. And I'll throw it out there. I mean, for the 80s, I'd close it up. Maniac Cop is probably my other favorite, especially the second film. Um, it's just a, a great, fun series. But the second one is also one of my favorite movies to watch at Christmas. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what Maniac Cop is about for people who might not be familiar with um, it? Maniac, Maniac Cop. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. This is, this is Adam at the video store, as he was mentioning earlier. Oh, sounds like it's about Maniac Cop. Sounds good. Uh, the, uh, you know, it's, it's not, you know, like I said, they're all shallow. I mean, it's a shallow plot and stuff. What I, the thing with Maniac Cop, I mean, it's just a, an officer who is um, sentenced to prison, ends up being, uh, you know, attacked and disfigured by uh, inmates in the prison and comes back to, you know, haunt law enforcement that put him there. And, you know, it's, it's very simple. The first film does have Bruce Campbell, uh, Tom Atkins is in it, uh, some of the great genre stars. It's just, the second one is just, uh, what's, what's the word, clusterfuck, that's it. Um, it's just got so much going on in it, like um, the whole story, and then with the Christmas backdrop, and the way it, how it, the body count in that one, is just really interesting. It has like another killer in it um, that he ends up kind of mentoring and then going against. I mean, it's just, it's like a big brother thing. It's just bizarre, but I, I truly love that. In the 90s, I mean, I think we were going to touch on that. I mean, I do think the 90s with the Slasher Revival did have some good ones. I recently watched a few that I hadn't probably seen in 10, 15 years. And I got to say, like, um, Urban Legend still really holds up. I was really thought it was going to be terrible, but um, it's it was still enjoyable. I don't know. There's a few others out there. It's, 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 it's real hard. It's hard to think. Like, I mean, there's Urban Legends, but there's a lot of 90s Slashers that, like, I mean, like, would you consider Final Destination a slasher movie? Since that's pretty much the universe trying to kill people. But yeah. Valentine, do you guys remember Valentine? Yes. Valentine's great too. It's another. That's another one that's just one of those ones. I mean, it, it, but people, I mean, especially a lot of the genre fans that don't like '90s or aughts horror films or slashers, especially, it's kind of like. Uh, the 80s weren't that great. Like, I'm sorry, I grew up in it, and it's it's not that they they're enjoyable. But I mean, it's the same formula. Oh, and that's one I really I should I'm sorry I should have kicked out off with uh, Sleepaway Camp is actually probably my number one underrated yeah. slasher. 
uh, beautiful 4K restor, 2K restoration by um, Scream Factory recently. Pick up the Blu-ray. It's yeah, like, you can flip it over and it has the good cover with the girl with yeah, the does. Jason mask and the Freddy's Claw in her backpack. Yeah, that's on the second one. On the first one, it's the great uh, letter home to camp with the knife through the shoe which I always loved as a kid. Um, looking at uh, VHS and the uh, video store just blew me away. But um, slim pickings, Adam? You wanna... It is pretty slim. All right. Let's hear it. I want to hear what Adam likes. I do. Well, like I said, I, I, I like the Nightmare series. So, but really, it, it's sticking to that, what would you say, like the, the killer that goes after the... Um, not so innocent teens. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like sticking to the formula. construct, the formula, yes, right? Yes, the trope. Shoot. Well, let's go with me on something that's completely out. Because really, honestly, I, I never, I've never seen Halloween all the way through. I could never get through it. I know people can hate me. It's, it's very strange. Uh, I've watched the Freddy movies, like I said, but um, would you could. I, I, when I was trying to research this, and I know I'm kind of fumbling on my words, there's the slasher movies and then there's like the serial killer movies. And you can't really kind of mix those together. Or you can't really you say can like a serial a bit. Like Shocker, I think, it kind of works in both. But see, he's, he's not necessarily punishing, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the young for having sex or doing drugs. No, but he is there. He's, is there he's just a fine line to that? I know that he's getting revenge or he's getting retribution. It is Wes Craven's attempt to kind of make a Freddy-ish character, but like the bad, like pun happy Freddy, because that movie's full of bad puns. Like, you know, even like Freddy though too. He does. He's not necessarily. He's going after the children of the parents that did him wrong. Yeah. More so. So I mean, that is like a revenge thing. I mean. Yeah, in a way, it's a revenge thing, but he's picking off a group. So there's a selected group he's trying to. I mean, because what would you think of something like, you know, I spit on your grave? Mm, that would be more like Grindhouse exploitation. Is that where you're going? Like, just no, straight into, like, revenge. Yeah, but she's yeah. not like a monster, like a traditional. But she, it's more like, um, yeah, that's more like revenge, revenge horror. So two movies I was thinking of, just thinking outside the box. Jaws and Jaws. Alien. I would say Jaws is a slasher movie. Alien is a slasher movie. Yeah, Alien 2. Yeah, Jaws because he's specifically killing a group of people at one beach. Yeah. And as the, it progresses, he's specifically trying to kill the he family of Roy Scheider. <laughs> yeah. he, he knows. And then once you get to Jaws 3D. Yeah. And then Jaws 20. Yeah, or Jaws, when you get to Jaws for the Revenge and it's the widow. Right. And Christopher Guest. And then she, the best is when she's like trying to like, uh, you know, kill the shark and then she's having flashbacks of Roy Scheider from the first movie because they couldn't afford to have him back for an actual flashback. <laughs> <laughs> Low budget filmmaking forever. I, ju I just want to say, because it just jogged in my head, the best uh, flashback in any slasher, any horror film ever. Has anyone ever seen The Hills Have Eyes 2? The original, not the remake. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil the it. The fucking dog has a flashback. Yes. <laughs> That's all that needs to be said. Continue. <laughs> no, that's all I was bringing up. Is... Yeah, just think it. Just think a little different. Scooby snacks to jog its memory. <laughs> <laughs>
So that's that's your wrap up. I guess, kind of, sorta. Okay. I mean, I'm not really, you know, I. Like I said, I never really picked out kind of the slasher stuff when I pick up horror mm-hmm. going out. I mean, it was you know. Also, in the revenge of the, in the revenge of the flashback, she was also thinking about her youngest son being killed as well. Mmm, that's a good. good that's, all, that's also in the flashback. That's true. And then the son had a flashback. Yeah. Well, I'll start with one that I'm kind of surprised hasn't made it up yet, but I guess once I say it, everyone will be like, oh, Child's Play. Yeah. Yes. A movie where a serial killer is hunted down by the police, so he uses the only practical knowledge he has, voodoo, <laughs> to transfer himself into the body of an inanimate doll. Then, you know, he tries to get into the body of that child, of the, of the owner of of that doll, a child, and then the subsequent movies are all about him trying to get revenge of that child for not being able to possess it. <laughs> Even though in Child's Play 2 and 3, he has adequate opportunities to get into other bodies. Yeah. Well, he does try to get into he the can. third one. Yeah. He can't, because he was the first person he told, yeah. so he yeah. can't. Mm-hmm. He can't. He has to, it has to be him. Yeah, follow the fucking rules. No, no, no. In Child's Play 3, he totally tries to get into that little uh, soldier. Let's play hide the soul. Oh, yeah, and then it happens. You're right. But it, that gets bent and twisted later on, especially in uh, Bride of Chucky. So yeah. let's not forget Bride of Chucky. Yeah. The Chucky creator, Don Mancini, he said in numerous interviews that after Child's Play 3, he really did not know what to do. He felt that it had run its course as being straight ahead, yeah. like, uh, you know, whore. And so he just decided in the fourth film that he's like, nah, we're just going to do it and completely do something new. And uh, I was I was there on opening day for Bride of Chucky. I was one of two people there for like the 4 p.m. showing. I think the only other movie I've seen that that was uh, I saw Jason X on opening day in a 400 scene, like uh, kind of like the Cine Capri, and I was the only person there. So I, I can I can beat that. I can beat that uh, when I was uh, the only person in a 350 seat auditorium to see a. Uh, D. Snyder's Strangeland. That's true. <laughs> I got you beat. Uh, my dad and I, opening noon Friday uh-huh. of Howard the Duck. Oh. Nobody else in the theater. My dad didn't know what the hell was going on. A movie which would have been much better served if Howard had been a serial killer killing humans. Duck tits. Howard's <laughs> coming back. Yeah, voiced by Seth Green. Um, think, what what uh, what other what other slashers? Speaking series? of which, Ed Gale, who's Howard the Duck, he was one of the Chuckies in the original Child's Play film. There were scenes where they could not get the doll to work, so Ed Gale actually was Chucky in a full prosthetic suit, um, and then they made the room. Bigger to make him look even smaller. It's all, it's on the special features. It's That's great. amazing to me. Like, what would a full prosthetic Chucky suit be like? Break out the overalls. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have the wig? Oh no. <laughs> 
fuck, man? I just we, had it. I had to it. go there. I think the audience agrees with me. I had to go there. I think I was going more for the couple hours and the makeup, but you want to go T one thousand? That's fine too. Whatever. whatever makes no, you happy. no, no. I, I don't want. I don't want to. You know, shut Kirby down. Oh yeah, no, that's it. Like you keep Chucky inside the R two D two. Like, he just pops out, and that's why uh, C-3PO has a red arm. <laughs> Come on, Artist Alley, make that print happen. <laughs> and all the while, you know, I always, when you were talking about Leprechaun, I was just thinking Warwick Davis is like, oh, we can still do Willow, too. We can make it happen. Come on, man, please. Let's, n let's not do part seven. I don't know. It just reminded me, too, like, one of the, like, movies I had always wanted to see and how much it disappointed me, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. But would Chucky versus Leprechaun be any better? Redemption. See, that's one of the bigger problems in that movie, in that... They, yeah, there's two endings, and then they try to give you, like, oh, Jason won, because we shortchanged him the moat, but then he's carrying Freddy's head, which is still alive. But Jason won that. Yeah. Well, you, you never know. You know, you know Freddie, maybe Jason just wanted a little head. <laughs> oh! Hey, yo! Sorry, we're getting a little unruly, guys. So. <laughs> no, but realistically, Freddie versus Jason is one of those movies I always thought would be really awesome. And then, you know, you see it, and it just seems like it's so paint by numbers on so many levels. Just to, you know, it's like when I watched um, Avatar and the mineral they're trying to find is unobtainium. The sleeping pill the kids take in that movie has like just the dumbest name in that same vein. It's something like, uh, you know, oh yeah. Sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent, folks. This is called a tangent. If you anyway. listen to our last podcast, we went off on James Cameron for like 15 minutes. There's some residual hatred. Yeah. Yes, it's also pro money. So it ties in. But yeah, I'll say, I'll say Child's Play is one of those I really like. And I'll throw in Nightmare is also one of my favorites, just because Freddie. And now we'll go to Ruby, who, who like, I don't want to shortchange because her opinions are really awesome on this topic. But I'm not quite as articulate in front of an audience. So anyways, um, so we haven't hit Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Right? Number one is That's a documentary. The number yeah. <laughs> I know it's a story of your family. I know. <laughs> and a loud and proud. Because um, when that girl screams, you like feel it. The first, I still remember the first time I watched that movie and it was just like deep in my soul. I was afraid for her. I thought it was awesome. And then, uh, but then you watch it more times, of course, and then you turn to enjoy the bad guys, you know. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Anybody? Right? Because nothing's more fun to a kid than Scary Santa. So, I don't know what you're going to do. Especially he's played by Bill Gold. It was so good. Um, and then of the recent ones, I actually really enjoyed Cabin in the Woods. I thought that one as meta. It was, I know it was meta. I, I just thought it was fantastic. I really enjoyed the... The twists and the turns that they brought to it, and the little quippiness and Sigourney Weaver, what? You know, come on. So I really enjoyed that. So those, and then the guys hit already on my other one. So yeah, 
So it's good. Mm -hmm. I'm happy. Good picks. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, we are going to open up to some questions. We have seen some arms up there in the audience. And just to, for those who have been patient and sitting with us, we do have giveaways at the end. So don't leave. So our giveaways include tickets, two tickets to Aliens. So we also have a cool Frankenstein tote bag, which will be awesome for carrying your stuff around con. We have a Blade Runner t-shirt, and which I know isn't strictly horror, but we also have a cool Phantasm Sons of Anarchy mashup shirt. So that we'll do that at the end, so. And a steak date with Kirby. <laughs> oh, no way. No steak. Vegan, vegan steak. Sure. All right, so let's take some questions. And since we are recording, you'll have to be very loud. So let's start with, all right, parted hair all the way in the back. So given the wonderful genre of 80s I do love the Critters movies on a lot of levels. For, for those who are listening on our podcast, the, the listener in the back asked if we had heard of the Critters franchise. For those who don't know what Critters is, it's an alien race called the Krites who crash into a small town. They eat everything and have very sharp teeth, were designed by the Chiodo brothers, who also did the designs for Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Is that a slasher? But other than that, he's never heard of the film. Yeah. Killer Clowns from Outer Space is also a slasher okay, film. that's my number one, y'all. No. <laughs> um, I always loved those movies, and I always thought the, the fact that, that made them a little bit different was the fact that they had these bounty hunters that came to find them um, who could shapeshift, and they, were, they had like the funniest names, Ugg and Lee. <laughs> All right, Red Hat. Could you comment on Rob Zombie movies? Are those generally respected in the in the genre or no? Um, it depends on what kind of genre you're talking about. Uh, the for those listening, uh, uh, one of our audience members asked if Rob Zombie's films are respected. I would argue that his Halloween films. I think part two is actually a really good movie that shouldn't be a Halloween movie, but um, Halloween, his remake suffers from being not enough of a remake and then too much of it. His other movies I wouldn't really call slasher movies, but kind of like uh, more influenced by like kind of uh, pop, like Texas Chainsaw, like, you know, horror. What do you I, think, Kirby? I would say with Rob Zombie, I mean, I'm a, a defender in a lot of respects, even though um, it's not my all-time favorite. Because one, I mean, I respect Rob Zombie as an artist and as a musician, but I do think that he, um, you know, obviously people go, well, you know, his films are just a mashup of a bunch of different ideas from other movies or entities. And it's like, yes, but so are a lot of other films. It's, it's especially as time goes on, it's more difficult to make things that are truly original, but I, you know, House of Thousand Corpses, I think he, you know, had laid a decent base, but I think it really was much better with Devil's Rejects being like, like uh, Rejects. you know, more of like a natural born killers, Henry Porch of a serial killer kind of road trip from hell. And then I think a lot of his Halloween films, the biggest problem, I think it was Drew Morg who first pointed out in their review when it was originally released was that it can't decide whether it wants to be a supernatural slasher film or a serial killer movie. And that's, and that is hard. And it, it, at the beginning is a serial killer movie. The, the second half is a slasher film. So, I mean, I think he has uh, obviously a huge amount of fans. And I think he has garnered respect. 
I mean, I think a lot of people were not expecting Lords of Salem. Like, oh, that's a good movie. To be a you know very artistic '70s influence, Alucarda, uh, Suspiria styled film. So, uh, Brown Cap with Shades. Uh, what about Jeepers Creepers and uh, Pumpkinhead? Uh, mm, we'll take that one, Kirby. <laughs> sure. Uh, Pumpkinhead, I mean, Stan, Winton's, Stan Winston's directorial debut, I mean, it's pretty much, um, you know. It's more it like kinda, supernatural Yeah, it horror. gets into the supernatural horror. And, I mean, supernatural slashers was really set up with Freddy. And, I mean, I think it's become a genre. I, I would consider, in a way, I mean, obviously, Pumpkinhead is the, you know, is the, is the stalker, you know, he's the, he's the slasher villain, but it's really Lance Henriksen controlling him, exactly. so he really is, it's his rage, um, you know, that is controlling him, and then with Jeepers Creepers, uh, is actually one of my favorite series from the 2000s, the early aughts of horror, I really think, I also love Victor Salva's original um, Clown House, despite its very controversial backstory and history, so. Hot Rod, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. <laughs> What do you think makes a good slasher? What do I think makes a good slasher? Um, a really cool villain with a cool design, at least one really compelling uh, victim that will survive the film, and at least a really interesting uh, and unique like playground for that to happen. It also helps if there's at least one or two kills that are really elaborate and will make you go, ooh. All right, referee from Frey versus Jason. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to Chucky. All right, back okay. to Chucky. Um, do you think they could have just thought of better ideas for like to for like like actual horror, or did they? Do you think that? It should have just ended at three instead of just going to comedy because it was horrible. Well, I think it's interesting because the latest one, do you remember what the latest one is called, uh, Kirby? For which one? For oh, Curse of Chucky. Curse of Chucky. If you watch that, it came out last year. It's trying to return to go back to horror. And it's interesting because Chucky's not even trying to be human anymore. He's just kind of trying to get revenge and the whole movie is him trying to kill a crippled girl. <laughs> not not yeah. ADA approved. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you girl in the all in the back left. Yeah, you. You put your hand down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. What are your thoughts on Candy Man? Um, oh, I love Candy Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was awesome. Um, I think it, I, I like the first one. I I think that's another one that had too many sequels. Yeah, I it, I don't think it needed sequels. Farewell to the Flesh is really bad. I'd say Candyman is is one of the best Barker adaptions by far. Right. And long, the long hair with glasses film. and the black shirt. What is your guys' overall favorite scary theme for all of all your scary movies? Killing kids. I think that. What is your favorite yeah. theme? theme glasses, for? short hair, gray shirt, pointing to herself. Getting. <laughs> Yep, agreed. Right there. Like, my, my bloody Valentine, I love because of the shower scene. Mm-hmm. She gets, like, mounted. Yes. Um, what would your, like, favorite slasher movie kills be? 
Uh, oh, the, the, the girl in the sleeping bag up against the tree. And oh, that's just, yeah. That's just so great. That was hilarious. Um, so fun. I think in, ter- in terms of memorable for me, I mean, it's like, because it, it, it's, act- it's a cool kill, but it's still sad, is uh, in part three when uh, Freddy kills um, the heroin addict punk rock girl. Because like they're having a really fair fight, and then his needle, his needles turn into heroin needles, and then her track marks open up and start like having little lips. Yeah, so she overdoses to death in her dreams. That one's really messed up, but totally memorable. Bloody beard. Uh, oh yeah, gray gray beard with a bloody shirt. Um, when you're talking about elaborate kills, what about the collector movies collection? I mean, that was like a giant lawnmower. Um, yeah, I actually thought the collection was pretty good. The, the sequel was a lot better than the original in that respect for creativity. Um, I would say for modern films, um, probably my favorite creative kills, I mean, I just think they're absolutely perfect, is uh, Hatchet. If anyone's seen any of those series, but especially the first one, um, especially since it was all done practically on camera. Nice. White wig. Um, so the slasher genre has mostly stall. We got a few like Blood Orphan and Hatchet, but it's mostly dead. Which do you think would be better to revive it? Remakes and reboots or original themes? I think original themes are probably what's going to do it because um, remakes for the most part are always going to draw comparison to the original and when they're really bad they kind of sink it. Like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake I think kind of killed Freddy for at least a few more years because it was just really bad. I think so. What? Oh, Scream Queen. Yeah, Scream Queen. What about Scream Queen, guys? Have you guys watched that yet? It's solid. It's really good. Well, there's that. Now they're, now they're doing like the, the meta films, like the, the movie The Final Girls. Oh, yeah. Was well, there another one that was that kind was of a similar name think, of the movie? I that think that's had, the one uh, I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, there's a few of them that are out there. Um, bl- flannel. Yeah, flannel all the way in the back. Flannel, who's next? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys asked, you were talking about Kevin in the Woods earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that the corporate agenda is the kind of thing that would uh, happen again, or do you think that was a one shot kind of movie? Oh, no, that's one that repeats over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah it could totally have a sequel. Look at um, They Live, Corporate Agenda. There's a lot of movies out there like that. There's I was I was compiling a list of that recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of movies where there's the you know you think the government's on your side and then they're not. That would but be cabin in, cabin in the woods was like shelved yeah. for the longest time. Like it took a long time for it to release. Yeah. Even. No, and then there's like some really original ones that came out in the past. Like I'd say ten years that were like really cool and original. And yeah, cabin in the woods was one of them. Another one was all the boys love Mandy Lane. That was really good, but like only came out like about a year ago, like super stealth, but it was like done for like 10 years. And uh, there's this really good Australian slasher movie called The Loved Ones. Yeah, where it's like this girl named Lola who like you know, kidnaps this boy who she had a crush on to take to the prom, and then it's just like they kidnap him and he tries to escape. It's like Texas Chainsaw, Mary Lou, crazy. Well, and you know what I'm noticing now too is a lot of stuff on like a, a VOD is just popping up. People making movies like for low budget in their backyard, a bunch of their friends for maybe Turbo like five grand or something like that. Yeah. Everybody saw Turbo Kid, right? Yeah. 
Uh, right, blue blue sleeve back there. I think pretty much what we've been talking about in terms of the formula is that it has to have uh, some sort of main killer who's basically stalking a, a specific group till it gets to one last one. It becomes kind of a one-on-one -on -one battle. Well, they're, they're, they've been birthed kind of from the same place, though, too. I don't think there would be a paranormal activity if it wasn't for the early slashers. True. Because there, there is some atmosphere that's similar to if you look back on like the original Halloween and things like that. Well, and like Poltergeist didn't become a slasher until the second movie with the old guy that was chasing after her. And the first yeah. one, it was just because of the neighborhood, not because of, you know, the bad guy. So that would be a good one where it was a clear, went from horror movie to slasher movie. Uh, blonde guy with glasses right there. Take and then horns. Yeah. Yeah. If you could create a kill scene what would it be and why <laughs> dark fantasies guy oh yeah let me let me imagine how i'm gonna kill somebody really quick <laughs> uh, i don't know probably something akin to jason killing those two stoner girls in the sleeping bags because it was really funny <laughs> all right horns what do you think of the jack frost movies uh, oh boy. Kirby. <laughs> uh, I just remember the one death scene in the shower where like he becomes a snowman in the shower and he, he's, yeah, really, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think those creative, it's a creative way of low budget filmmaking, but I can't ever really take the snowman or Santa Claus seriously as a serial killer. Sorry, Goldberg. Final question. You. Um, so, um, Final question. Speaking of things like Jack Frost, um, is there like a horror, like a slasher movie, like concept, even if it was supposed to be, you know, taken like pretty much for comedy, that you were like kind of rolled your eyes at? Tons. Uh, Ginger Dead Man. I knew. <laughs> Santa Slay. Yeah, that's Santa Claus, a serial killer, evil Ginger Dead Man. Pretty um, much anything Full Moon has put out in the last 10, 15 years has pretty much hit, hit the point. I mean, it's, it's fun. Like, the second Ginger Dead Man film is actually really good. Same with uh, the second Evil Bong. Hey, it really is, yeah. man. It's actually, for what it is, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. But, I mean, you know what you're getting with Full Moon when you, you pick up their movies. It is what it is. But... Um, you know, but I think, you know, originally, like I said, with people have always said, like, Child's Play, like, just fucking kick him over. Like, what What are you doing? Like, what are you waiting for? I mean, I think it's the ultimate film with, like... So many slasher movies wouldn't happen with good home security systems. Well, there's that, too. <laughs> All right, parted hair, last question. Um, given that you have mentioned Jason X and Space is kind of where most horror movies go to die, yeah. what is your personal opinions on that glorious movie? You know, let's, let's let Adam... Oh, Adam likes it. Adam likes Jason X. I do. I do like Jason X. Oh, yay! <laughs> I, I also like uh, Hellraiser Bloodline, which is also Freddy in space. <laughs> well, I, 
Or I mean, uh, Pinhead in space. Yeah, Pinhead in space. <laughs> the upgrade was the best part. Yeah. That's right. I just like how it, at the end of the movie when they make the lament configuration, it explodes in space even though there's no oxygen. Awesome. Science. All right, so we've reached the end of our question period. Now Quizmaster Kirby will give out these awesome prizes. With Your knowledge will get you stuff. Well, you, I'll do from... Uh, I, I'm probably doing way too hard. Victor's going to be like having to toss out softballs, but I'm really going to try here. So, first one hands up, I'll let them judge. All right, for Ruby G will judge whose hands are up first. For the following three killers, name the fictional towns or cities they haunt Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers. And you have to have all three. Go, you. <laughs> It starts with an H. Yeah. There we go. Oh, All right, there we go. Uh, give her, give her the bag. No. Do I come up? Claim your prize here. Tear it up. Tear it up. Job. Thank you. All right. Next one is going to be. I'll even give the year, it's a 1981 summer camp slasher, and it starred a young Fisher Stevens, Holly Hunter, and Jason Alexander. Oh, hot ride. They'll burn it. You got it. Are you local? Do you live in this city? I live in Nebraska. Uh, okay, sure. I'll give you, uh, you want the medium or XL? All right, I'm going to let uh, Adam toss that one because he don't want to see me throw anything. <laughs> Woo! Nice right. catch. Good catch. I'm right. impressed by your knowledge. Give yourselves a hand. All right. All right. Two more. Okay. Um, I'll do one more. I'll let you guys come over because I think this one's way too hard. I don't think most people are going to know, but I'll give this one a try. At least uh, one, other, one other alternate title for Bay of Blood. Ah, he already uh, shot out the answer. Okay, well, we'll have to have come up with something on the fly. And I'll do another uh, kind of a three-part one. Uh, in the film Child's Play, Chucky's name, his real name, is made up of three killers. Name those three killers. The real killers. Dude, just that's his real name. <laughs> yeah. Shush, shush, shush. What is his name? Okay. Oh, she knows. She Let's knows. Go. go. Charles Lee Wright. But what was the three killers his name was inspired by? Oh. And there were three killers that he's... Dude, Don I Mancini specifically. <laughs> ah, just kidding. <laughs> All right. Best of two. Uh, you want to give her... Yeah, Are you local? Are you local? Are you here in Arizona? All right, come get we the got, tickets we here. More, we got two more hands. Oh, okay. does somebody actually know it? Does somebody? I was thinking of two of them because I heard you say best of two or something. Yeah, um, he thinks he knows. Yeah. Hey, go for it. I, I want to hear all three. Come on, man. You can do it. Somebody can do it. Charles Manson. Um, Henry Lee Lucas. Are you looking at your phone, man? No. Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> Anybody got the third? You know what? I'll even I'll even softball it. It's the man who assassinated Martin Luther King Jr. Boom. Ow, but he, he didn't give him a chance. <laughs> See, that's, that's why you're judges, I, not me. This is what I say. I say, give, give one to that. Give her a prize. Give him a prize. And he can stop by our booth and we'll give him a print tomorrow. Sounds like a plan. Everybody cool with that? All right. Thank you. Yay. Well... Thanks again for coming to our panel. We invite you once again to come up and get a flyer if you haven't. You can find us tomorrow, booth 999, on the floor at Artist Alley. And we have another panel tomorrow, Saturday, 7.30. Find out more by coming to our booth, 999. It's about finding geeky stuff to do in Arizona. And we got Ah, that's super cool. It start, that's how it starts. It's in your book. Aliens, June 18th, Tempe Pollock Cinemas. Cult following on iTunes. Subscribe. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming.